Welcome to Food. I'm Kate Bittman. Before we get started, a reminder that you can email us at food at markbittman.com with any questions or comments. And guest recommendations are also extremely welcome. Let us know who you'd like to hear from. And if you want more from us, head to bitmanproject.com. We've got a gift guide full of ideas from the best chocolate to beautiful kitchen textiles to gadgets and appliances, plus a few non-food items. Plus, Holly Haynes just wrote about what I think is the coolest use of eggplant I've ever seen. And now, on to today's episode. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out? I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include Dynamic Sky Panorama Glass Roof, Front Row Massaging Seats, you know you want that. Available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX. Luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Mark did this beautiful interview with cookbook writer Claudia Rodin last year, and I've been thinking about it a lot lately, so we're bringing it back. When I was a kid, Claudia Rodin was an ever-present name on our bookshelves. She taught Mark so much about Mediterranean cuisine, and he treasures her, as I'm sure many of you do. 
I'm going to just segue into his original intro because it pretty much says it all. But this is a very sweet, incredibly informative interview from a unique perspective. Thanks for listening. In 1974, my friend Lucy had me over to her house for Middle Eastern food. I'm not sure anyone who wasn't a native of Armenia, I did know a couple of Armenians, had ever cooked that kind of food for me before in their home. The food was fabulous. Stewed lamb with what I can only call melted spinach. The best pilaf I'd ever tasted up until then. A salad of dried fruit and nuts with rose water that completely blew my mind. I make that all the time. How the hell did you do this? I demanded of her. She was about the same level of cook as I was at the time, which was not quite a rank beginner, but this food was just something new. A new cookbook, she said, and handed me a copy of Claudia Roden's Book of Middle Eastern Food, just out in paperback. I still have that copy. There were not a lot of authentic, really well-done cookbooks with foods of other countries, other regions at that time. I became a fan of Claudia's, and I looked at, bought, reviewed most or all of the books she produced over the years. I was fascinated not only by her story, which we'll get into a little bit in this interview, but by her ability to write recipes in a way that made it possible for the home cook to produce flavors we'd never imagined or at best experienced in travel or in restaurants. She is a terrific cookbook author, among the best, and highly influential. And you don't need to take my word for it. Yotam Odalengi is among the chefs who cite her as an influence. It sounds crazy to say this, but nearly 50 years after that first Claudia Roden experience, that meal that my friend Lucy cooked, in 2013, I visited Claudia in London. We cooked together. We chatted for hours. I wrote about it for the Times. I wasn't intimidated by meeting a longtime idol. I was delighted. We had a wonderful time together and have remained in touch. So it's with a great deal of pleasure that I present our version of a Hanukkah show with my friend Claudia Roden. Here we go. Nice to see you. Good to see you. We've met before. You've told me this story before, but you know, your background, at least by the standards of our generation, and especially by the standards of Americans of my generation, our generation, is unusual at least. And I'm not asking for you to recount your whole life story here, but a kind of sketch of it, and especially how you became interested in food and cooking. Yes. Well, I think uh, in Egypt, I was part of a Jewish family in a big a Jewish community uh, with a huge uh, extended family within a huge extended family. And there wasn't very, very much about life apart from going swimming. We were part of clubs and going to the cinema once a week. And a lot of life was about visiting, visiting and entertaining. And so food was very important. And for us, food, yes, was Syrian in Egypt because three of my grandparents were from Aleppo. And one of my, uh, my maternal grandmother was from Istanbul. But I went to school in Paris and went to 
art school in London. I was there for two years uh, sharing a flat with two brothers. And uh, I was cooking because for them, uh, for us, and for friends as well, because food at the time in Britain was horrible. But post-war at this point, yes? Yes, it was post-war. It was 54, 1954, and not that long after the war. But but, uh, I was cooking, but suddenly, uh, yes, in 1956, there was what was called the Suez Crisis, when uh, Britain, France, and Israel had attacked Egypt, because Egypt had nationalized the Suez Canal Company, which had uh, built the canal in the first place and uh, was manned by French and British company. And yes, as a result of that, the French and the British was were um, banished from Egypt, and so were the Jews. And so my parents suddenly arrived as refugees. And uh, with them, also thousands of other Jews from Egypt, uh, traumatized and with having left everything behind and wondering where they would go, what would be happening to them. But so uh, for me, everything suddenly changed. We were refugees, and I looked for work. I worked for at Alitalia, and for several years, I was living in a bubble of uh, Jewish refugees from mm. Egypt. And it was at this time that I started collecting recipes, because there hadn't been a single cookbook of any kind in Egypt. And I had never seen printed recipe. Uh, we couldn't believe that people actually would use a recipe in Egypt because they were handed down in the family. Nobody wanted to cook recipes from another family or from another community. Egypt had been um, a country that was very cosmopolitan with many minorities, and the Jewish community was a minority, and itself was a mosaic of families from different parts of the Ottoman Empire. Many of them had come uh, when the Suez Canal was built at the end of the 19th century, and for my grandparents, those who came from Aleppo, it was because their trade on the Silk Route and the Spice Route and the Great, they were the big mercantile hub, was dead because of the the canal had been built. And so a lot of Syrians, and they, with them, had moved to Egypt and to continue being merchants. And so the kind of recipes that they had, which we knew they had, but we all did our own thing. All of a sudden, we realized that we would never be able to eat their foods. Cousins had come, we were related by marriage, 
people who came from Tunisia, uh, from uh, Greece, from um, uh, from different parts of of the Mediterranean as well, and uh, we realized, or at least I realized, when people started asking each other for recipes, people were saying, "Give me your recipe for that cake. Give me your recipe for." such a thing, I might never see you again because nobody knew where they would end up. Nobody knew if they would be accepted in uh, Britain. We were really asylum seekers. And uh, actually, we never saw them again. When people said, I might never see you again, give me that recipe. And when I'll cook it, it'll remind me of you. And so uh, I realized how important it was. So I wasn't thinking ever for quite a long time of doing a book, but it was for us because I thought if this is the most precious thing we took away that we had, and if we lose it, we'll never find it again. And so... I really thought it must be the most important thing I can do mm. is to record the recipes. And that's how I started. And uh, I became uh, like an obsessed collector. Uh, I would ask everybody that I met in those days, I kept meeting people from, from Egypt who were refugees. Some of them were passing through London. In my They would come. Uh, and for Friday night, there were always a lot. And I would just go and say, can you give me a recipe? And and I would go and look for them as well. Uh, and, and some of them took out a little booklet and told me recipes. In Egypt, they would never have given you recipes. But there we were all not rivals about our, our cooking standards. Uh, and everybody wanted to give recipes. They mm. wanted them to be recorded. To be clear, it began with collecting uh, recipes of the Egyptian Jewish diaspora, really. People, Jews who'd come from around the Mediterranean, the Middle East, to Egypt, and then left mostly for England, were the first ones you met. So it was... All of these cultures filtered through Egyptian Jews back into London. That's right. It started. But then I wanted to see, uh, you know, do they... I never thought there was Jewish food at that time. None of us thought we had Jewish food. We just had the food we ate. Uh, and it was Syrian, Tunisian, Morocco, or, not, or each family had theirs. And, uh, and But I just thought, well, I want to go and research elsewhere. It means I would go to embassies, you know, like to the Persian embassy. And they would say, do you want a visa? No, I'm looking for recipes. Yeah. And I would sit there and I did meet people. They invited me to their homes. I've got all their handwritten, a lot of handwritten recipes. In those days... It was so strange for anyone to be interested in somebody else's recipes. It was strange. But for instance, I went to the Moroccan embassy 
they, somebody there said, the ambassador's wife can give you some. And I, I, uh, uh, she did. And at this point, were you collecting for a book? Did you have that in mind? That's right. It's when I started thinking of a book that I became seriously, seriously concerned about checking, are these recipes uh, just one woman gave them to me? No, I asked more than one person. And it turned out that the recipes were the same. It means tradition was so powerful that people cooked the same. Nobody ever wanted to be different at all. It was embarrassment if they did something different, even though everybody did tell me, you know, I do things a bit different, or I do it a bit better than others. Yes. <laughs> Stay tuned for more from Claudia Roden and Mark. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue also you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states united healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage for you learn more at uh1.com we're all drinking more water these days and we're all concerned that we're drinking safe clean unpolluted water Yet, according to our friends at the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in the United States have harmful contaminants in their tap water. That's why it's worth checking out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. They remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, you know, those forever chemicals in your water supply. PFAS, by the way, is found in almost 45% of U.S. tap water. AquaTrue has water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. 
Their proprietary purification technology is independently tested to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAS, nitrates, and many, many others. The filters are affordable and long-lasting, and they do not need changing every two or three months like so many others. They last from six months to up to two years. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water, less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you won't be buying bottled water, and it'll save the environment from tons of single-use plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and makes a great gift. Today, listeners to Food with Mark Bittman receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and enter code Bittman at checkout. For 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier, go to AquaTrue.com and use the promo code Bittman, B-I-T-T-M-A-N. Have you ever bought something, owned something that really inspired you to up your game? A tennis racket, a new pair of running shoes, a new piece of cooking equipment that made you just want to cook your brains out. I know that when I first started cooking on induction burners, I just couldn't stop. It was so much fun. When we own exceptional things, they inspire us to do exceptional things. The all-new Lexus GX has an exceptional capability that will have you seeing possibilities you never knew existed. Its advanced technology and luxurious interior mean that wherever you go, you'll never go without. Some of the features that are available on this car include dynamic sky panorama glass roof, front row massaging seats, you know you want that, available 33-inch all-terrain tires, which you will want when you check out the multi-terrain select. These are really great features, the kind of features that will make you proud and happy to own a Lexus GX. Live up to the all-new Lexus GX, luxury beyond limits. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. You know, really, in a way, you were among the first people to travel and collect recipes, and certainly among the first people, if not the first person, to do this kind of collection, at least in English, of of Middle Eastern foods. Did you feel the impact of this? Did you recognize that you were doing something unusual and maybe important? I did gradually, because at the time, you know, my hardback book, only 3,000 copies sold. It wasn't really uh, a big seller. But but they never did any more books afterwards. They did school books, that publisher. But I realized only gradually after paperback came out that – People were uh, using the book, but also that, for instance, Marks and Spencer, one of our supermarkets, started actually making them from my book mm. and asking me to come and taste the hummus. They asked. They had asked uh, a company that was from Cyprus to make from the book the tarama from the book. <laughs> but also they had made, for instance, a whole tray of phyllo and of meze, a tray with uh, stuffed vines, phyllo pastries, uh, various things that they got from my book, and they sold it as a tray of meze. And uh, my mother had gone to somebody's for tea, and she came back and she said, I can't believe that 
everything that we do, they had there and they had bought it. <laughs> and then soon after, Marks and Spencer asked me to come and taste to see if it was right. And then I saw my book there and they had invited the maker, the producer, who came <laughs> and to see what I had to say. And I just realized that's what they did. And Sainsbury's, another supermarket, called to say, what should we be stocking? And I said, uh, you have, what about stocking bulgur? What about stocking couscous, chickpeas, you know, those, such a thing. And they actually started making phyllo, mm. getting phyllo and producing it. Then I started seeing... Um, uh, the next thing was chefs, because it was it became a time also after, especially after my Mediterranean book, when chefs started doing their own thing. Because before that, uh, chefs were always doing French cuisine, chefs that wanted to do grand or special food. But it became a thing. I mean, the first one was called Alistair Little, and he had been. Uh, he had started anthropology. He studied that. And then he became a chef and did his own thing. And he called me once, invited me to lunch. And, and I said, oh, this is good. And he said, well, you should know it comes from your book. <laughs> <laughs> That's always nice. <laughs> yeah, it was really nice. And, of course, I saw it as an honor. And he made it especially well, but also... I realized how much it had an influence in Israel at the same time, because when my book, the first Middle Eastern book came out as Israel, the publishers there said, we're publishing it, but we don't think we'll sell it, because it's our enemy culture, and we despise it. And we want all our Arab Jews to leave their culture behind. Now we are a new world here. Well, that's depressing as hell, isn't it? <laughs> Can you imagine? And look, at, now it's their main thing, is a, the main export. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was really strange. But still my book sold and never stopped selling in Hebrew. And then I gradually saw chefs there who were doing Middle Eastern. But it was only when the Jewish book came out there in Hebrew, I had several events there in a, one of the big five-star hotels. We did every night a dinner of a different Jewish uh, community. So we did even Indian Jewish, we did, you know, it went on and on. And we had television there every night doing something, sort of showing all the film. And then each time the television crew were saying, where's all this that we don't see, you know? They didn't even know any of the dishes, you know, from Iran, from uh, Morocco, from... You know, for them, it was like something they never knew. And uh, because every time somebody tried to open a restaurant, like an Iraqi Jewish restaurant, or there were lots of Iraqi Jews who were there, went there, and Moroccan 
No, people just didn't go to those restaurants. They might use the book, the Middle Eastern book, as something, but they never thought of Arab food as Jewish. Until now, uh, even now, they used to call the only Jewish, any food called Jewish was Ashkenazi. And everything else they called ethnic, just ethnic. But now they still say ethnic, but uh, they certainly don't despise. But it allowed them, even though there it was all there, because there were all those communities were there, but they didn't have the grander style of Morocco, because a lot of the poorer Moroccans went to Israel. And and they didn't allow, uh, you know, the grand things from Iran because a lot of the wealthier uh, communities, Jewish communities, went to France and America and South America and and everywhere. So there, it was the first time that chefs could say, "This is Jewish." And what I'm think now, the Middle Eastern food that has become so popular, that's created by Yotam, Otolenghi, and others, uh, and and uh, Israeli chefs abroad. And what that is, which differentiates from Middle Eastern restaurants that are Turkish, Lebanese, Moroccan, is that those traditional Middle Eastern restaurants have to do what is traditional in a restaurant? It means kebabs with meze. And the mezes are always the same because yeah. they think they have to be the same because that's what people come to them for. And home cooking, the great home cooking of all the countries, of Turkey, of everywhere, doesn't get seen. But so what your tongue has created, and also chefs from Israel, they feel now they can use the home cooking of the Jewish communities anywhere, but particularly those of the Middle East, it seems to be, and North Africa, they can use them as Israeli cuisine. Right. And as Jewish, it is Jewish, because it's in a book called The Book of Jewish Food, <laughs> and, now, and now in a hundred others right. uh, called Jewish Food. And so, or rather, a thousand others, maybe. But so uh, they are doing uh, what is really the home cooking of the Sephardi uh, Jews, who now also call Mizrahi Jews, means Arab Jews. It is their home cooking that is now not only the, is the basis of a fusion nouvelle cuisine, and it's fusion of their cooking, but it's a fusion of home cooking, which is something really unusual and different. But they all feel, and your time, best of all, doing it, that they can mix something from Morocco, with a sug from Yemen, with a something from Turkey, with something from Lebanon, they feel they can 
put them together. They can do what they like with a dish. They can present it. They have become innovators. And they are using as basis this home cooking that nobody knew existed. We're coming up on Hanukkah, and I'm just, it never seemed to me that it was a holiday. I mean, as I, I grew up as an American Jew, it's a different story, obviously, but it never seemed to me that it was a holiday with very many food traditions other than latkes or sufkan yot. And, but there, there weren't a lot of things. I wonder if you could talk for a minute about if there are Hanukkah traditions around the world or around the Mediterranean. Yes. Uh, for instance, in Italy, they have deep-fried chicken pieces in batter. And in Egypt, we had zalabia. And zalabia, in, in Greece, they had lukumades, or kind of lukumade. Mm-hmm. And, and in Morocco, North Africa, it's svenge. And what's that, svenge? Yeah, it's different kinds of fritters. Aha. Uh-huh. Everything is a fritter, right. The oil-based celebration it is, really. Yeah, it is oil-based. Last question is, and we ask this of everyone, what did you have for dinner last night? Well, dinner last night, it was also a fish soup, but oh. it wasn't in my house. I was in a restaurant in Folkestone. Folkestone. Uh, I was speaking there with Jeremy Lee, a friend who is a chef, and and afterwards, it was by Ferguson is by the sea. I stayed the night, and I was there with my daughter, and we went the two of us by the sea, and we had all fish things, and I had a skate as well. Sounds great. It has been wonderful having you, and nice to catch up a little bit, and so great to hear that history. I really appreciate it. Thank you so so much for being interested. Thank you, Claudia. Take care. Bye. Bye. There are so many great recipes in this book. Chicken baked with olives and lemon, yogurt cake, potato salad with green olive tapenade. I mean, there's just, it's a terrific cookbook. And I do recommend that you go look up the original book of Middle Eastern food by Claudia and Check that out too. But you know, I like to keep these recipes I read on the podcast simple. So I'm going to present you with Claudia's Mediterranean pantry salad, but really do encourage you to go look further. This is a very simple dish, more complicated in its shopping than in its preparation. So you need piquillo peppers, which you can find canned, and you want four of them drained of their oil. A seven ounce can of tuna in oil, good tuna. Drained. I mean, the best is called ventresca, which is belly, but good tuna. A small can of anchovies, also drained. That's a two-ounce can. Twelve black olives, four plum tomatoes, four hard-boiled eggs, three tablespoons olive oil, a tablespoon of vinegar, and salt and pepper. So, as I said, drain those four tomatoes, drain that can of tuna, drain the two-ounce can of anchovies, pit the black olives, Cut the plum tomatoes, you have four of them into wedges, peel and quarter the hard-boiled eggs too, and then divide those things among four plates. So each plate will have a piquillo, some tuna, anchovies, some olives, a quartered tomato, a quartered egg, and then beat together the oil and vinegar with some salt and pepper, season to taste, and drizzle 
that over each serving. Obviously, the simplest recipe in the book or among them. But as I said, I do encourage you to take this further. Okay, that's that. Enjoy it. Thank you to the lovely Claudia Rodin, who has been an inspiration to our family for a long time. You can pick up her latest book, Claudia Rodin's Mediterranean, wherever you like to buy books. And a reminder, it's about time to start eating latkes. See you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.